Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, I know it's the seventh, but you know, it is the first Sunday of the year, and so it's great to uh, be in the Lord's house as we kick off uh, uh, 2018. And uh, as Dan had mentioned, we are going to continue our goal-setting series. You can see in your notes the title of today's uh, sermon is Setting Goals to Move Mountains, Matthew 17, 20. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I'm wondering this morning, has anybody ever moved a mountain? How about this? Here's a question. What's the biggest thing you've ever attempted in your life? Think about that for a sec. I mean, have you ever had like a crazy goal where maybe you set a goal to make a, some crazy amount of money or lose a certain amount of weight or maybe a bigger goal? You've set a goal to change the organization you were in or you set a goal to change a team that you were on or even bigger, you set a goal to impact the community you were in in some crazy way. Well, and by the way, I'm not talking about those New Year's resolutions that you make on January 1st and by the 7th, they're gone. I'm talking about, you know, did you really, have you ever really set out and said, I'm going to accomplish this or I'm going to set a goal to do this? And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, last week, Pastor Jim got us off to a great start talking about uh, goals. He, he uh, answered or talked about the question, why do we even set goals uh, what exactly even constitutes a goal? Goal writing, goal setting is goal writing. Uh, and they talked about the types of things that we should be setting goals about. If you remember Isaiah 32.8, but he who is, n- is noble plans noble things and on noble things he stands. Well, today I want to talk about two things. One is I want to consider another aspect of goal setting. And then second, I want to talk about what are those things that can get in the way of us accomplishing the goals that God lays on our heart. But first, let's, by way of review, I want to remind you of a few things from last week and then maybe add a practical piece to last week's sermon. And the first thing I would remind you of is that the heart of goal setting for the Christian is all about fulfilling God's will in our life. It's about figuring out what is it that God wants me to do with my life and setting goals that will help you accomplish that. Pastor Jim talked about another reason for setting goals. He said was that we want to receive God's approval. He talked about rewards that we can earn in heaven. Athletes here uh, spend enormous time and energy to get better so that they can win an award or a trophy that will eventually rust and go away. But we have the opportunity to set goals to earn rewards that will last forever. He also talked about how goal setting can be one of the best ways to develop self-control. But here's one thing I would add to that is we have to make sure that we don't forget goals can't be just about earning rewards, right? It can't be just about, uh, you know, trying to uh, earn God's favor, although that's important. You know, too often we, uh, we can find ourselves in, the, in this Christian walk uh, thinking it's all about salvation. You know, we just, once we 
you know, pray the prayer and we're good to go, then we just go live our life. And certainly God has more for us than that. But, you know, when you think about it, uh, part, of, part of setting goals, part of living this Christian life is to be good stewards of all that God has given us. It's a, in a sense, it's a loving response to God for the way that he has blessed us. Someone once said that uh, God's, your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with that talent is your gift to God. I love the scene in, in uh, the movie Chariots of Fire with Eric Little. And, you know, he was a runner, Olympic gold medalist. And he has this conversation with his sister about, you know, he's telling her that he's fast. And, and she's wanting to know, why do you run? And one of the, the line I remember is he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Right? God has given each one of you talents and gifts. And part of, our, part of our job here on earth is to do something with that, not to squander the talents and the gifts that God has given, and was given us. And one of the best ways to do that is through goal setting. So I want to add one quick practical lesson to what Pastor Jim shared last week. And this isn't really even part of my sermon material, but it's free. So you can you get it this morning. And to, there, there have been two people that have been probably most influential in my uh, life around this idea of goal setting. One is Pastor Jim. Uh, I tell people all the time that I still don't pray enough, but I pray a lot more than I ever did because of the modeling that Pastor Jim has shown in this area of goal setting and challenging us relentlessly as a staff to make sure that we are setting goals. And so I've set goals each year about my prayer life and it has gotten better. It's still not where I would like it to be, but it's better than it's ever been in large part thanks to goal setting. The other person is a guy named Michael Hyatt. And in his book, Your Best Year Ever, he uses the acronym SMARTER to, uh, as a framework for setting goals. And so if you're one of those that's very adept at setting goals, great. But if you're not, maybe you've uh, you know, tried to do a little bit of what Pastor Jim talked about last week, but you're thinking, eh, I still don't quite uh, know how to actually write these goals. Maybe this will be helpful. I'll go through this really quickly. Uh, the S stands for specific. So rather than saying, I want to work on my Christian walk, you might say, I want to pray 30 minutes a day. Uh, the M is measurable. So rather than saying, I'm going to lose weight this year, you might say, I want to lose 20 pounds. It needs to be actionable. Rather than saying, I'm going to get in shape, you might say, I'm going to work out three times a week. It needs to be risky. Uh, you know, rather than maybe say, I'm going to, I'm going to share Christ with one person this year. For most of you, that probably wouldn't be a real stretching goal. So maybe instead you might say, I'm going to share Christ with one person every month this year. Time keyed. Rather than saying, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, you might say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds by December 31st. And it needs to be exciting to you. Um, the research on goals indicates that if it's something you're excited about, you're far more likely to achieve it. And then the R is it needs to be relevant to you. Setting goals that mean something to you, not to me, not to Pastor Jim, but something that means something to you. So there you go. Now I want to jump into one other aspect of goal setting. And before I do, I want to remind us that the, that we ha always have to keep in mind the why. Why are we setting goals? Remember that, God's approval, so that we can be good stewards of the talents and the gifts that God has given us, so we can make disciples. Isaiah 32, eight, but he who is noble plans noble things and on noble things he stands. 
But this other aspect of goal setting I want to talk about is an acronym called BHAG. Some of you have heard this term. It stands for Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. (laughs) That term was first coined by James Collins and Jerry Porras in 1994. Here's what they said in their book, Book Built to Last. A true BHAG is clear and compelling, serves as a unifying focal point of effort and acts as a clear catalyst for team spirit. In other words, when they first designed this, it was designed as a as an organizational kind of term and, and a, a tool. It, since then, it has certainly applied to individuals as well. But what they're saying here is it needs to be clear and compelling, but it can serve as a unifying focal point uh, for that team. But then it's, he says it's a clear catalyst. In other words, it's like jet fuel on team spirit. It has a clear finish line so the organization can know when it has achieved the goal. People like to shoot for finish lines. Here's an example of a BHAG. On May 25th, 1961, President John F. Kennedy said, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to earth. What you need to know is that the time that President Kennedy made that announcement, James Webb was the NASA's director, and in a conversation he had conceded to Kennedy that it was possible to get to the moon and back. But at the time that Kennedy made the announcement, they had no idea how to do it, And there was no plan to figure it out and to get there. If you've seen the movie Hidden Figures, you know a little bit of that backstory. They were literally having to create things that they never, ever knew about. But what happened after that is absolutely amazing. I mean, it changed the face of the U.S. space program. The innovations and the strides that we made as a nation, it changed us forever. A year later, here's what he said. He said, we choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they're easy, but because they are hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and and one which we intend to win, and the others too. See, he's saying that we we are setting our, our sights on this, not because it's an easy goal, but because it is hard. But he says, in setting it and moving towards it, it's going to measure the best of our energies and skills. Listen, we can certainly set goals and set BHAGs for all the wrong reasons. Pride, greed, selfishness. And we can go about achieving those goals in all the wrong ways. Lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating. But the reality is if you do that, it will work because we are wired to goal set. We are wired to cross finish lines. So it will work, but it, in, especially in light of eternity, it will be short-lived because ultimately the truth wins out. But BHAGs, if we choose them right and if we go about it right, they can bring out the best in who we are. Here's another BHAG. Our vision is to be in a new worship center by the year 2020. Do you know who said that? Pastor Jim, in 2010. Here's a little bit of the backstory for those of you that haven't been around Lake City that long. 2001, we averaged attendance, including children, 503. That was the year that the elders and the leadership began work on the strategic plan, which included expanding the foyer and building the gym. Phase two was a worship center. By 2010, we had an average attendance of 602, a 20% increase over 2001. But it was also the year that Pastor Jim shared his 2020 vision 
which included a new worship center. So where are we today? 2017, we average attendance 917. Increase of 52% over 2010, 82% since 2001. Hear me on this. We are not all about numbers. I promise you. But don't make the mistake of thinking that God doesn't care about numbers. He absolutely cares about numbers. That's why the Bible's full of numbers. You do know there's a book in the Bible called Numbers, right? (laughs) Acts 2.41 says, So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. See, God cares about numbers because every number represents a soul. But growing like we have over the last several years, it has not been easy. I mean, there have been big growing pains. We have had to bring on new staff. There have been time sacrifices. Many of you have made those time sacrifices. There's some men that have put in enormous amounts of time downstairs on the remodel. There have been financial sacrifices by the church, by ministries, by many of you sitting here. We have so many so much juggling going on of spaces to find little nooks and crannies to meet and to put groups in. I, I know that juggling is, probably has Nancy feeling more like a circus clown than an office manager, but those are all growing pains that have come as a result of this BHAG. But here's the reality. Sometime this summer, Lord willing, we're going to walk through doors in that wall into a brand new worship center. Nothing? That's it? <laughs> Really? Sometime this summer, there's going to be doors in that wall, and we're going to walk into a brand new worship center. But here's what I really want you to hear from this. It's not just about achieving our BHAG. It's about who we become in the process. It's not just about the end goal, although, oh my goodness, I mean, it is surreal to think about the idea of walking through those doors sometime this summer, into a new worship center. It's going to be awesome, wonderful. But it's about who we become in the process as we've moved towards that BHAG. Remember, certainly you can do it for all the wrong reasons. You can do it for all, in all the wrong ways. But I love about Lake City is our elders, our leadership, many of you have worked hard, prayed hard to make sure that we are try, do our best to stay in God's will as we have moved towards this BHAG. But look who we've become. We have had to hire new staff, but we're doing more ministry because of it. We've been able to send out more missionaries. We've been able to support more missionaries than ever before. There's more discipleship going on at Lake City today than ever before. It's propelled us to focus on marriages. And I can tell you as being a part of Reengage, we've now had almost 200 couples come through re-engage to strengthen their marriage and the ripple effect of strengthening marriages on families, on our church, on this community. I mean, you can't even measure that. It's propelled us to focus on men's ministry. Where we were once floundering, we now have a strong men's ministry growing. Matt Strong leading the charge in that. It's propelled our leadership team to take on a wig and no, not the thing I need to wear, but wildly important goal. So the, for the last year, year and a half, our leadership team has set a, a wildly important goal to, to work on 
keeping our church connected in the midst of all this craziness that's going on. So I can tell you today, we're more connected as a church than we've ever been. See, BHAGs can bring out the best in who you are. But BHAGs can also apply to us individually. I have some BHAGs. I want to get to the Holy Lands. Never been there, and I want to I do that someday. I set a BHAG for this year in 2018. I, I, I've ri- I have it written down. My cousins, the Katinas, are a gospel group. They're doing a cruise in January of 2019. I've talked to them before about coming on that with them and doing some speaking. And so we've set a BHAG, a goal that we would be on that cruise in 2019. Could it be that God has a BHAG for you? What would that look like? Has there been something that maybe God has been impressing on your life, nudging you and you've sensed it? But then in the next breath, you're thinking, no way, that's impossible. I can't possibly do that. That's crazy. Could it be that God has a BHAG for you? Maybe it's go on the mission field. Maybe it's go to seminary. Maybe it's to give a larger amount of money than you've ever given before to some project that God has laid on your heart. Maybe it's to start a new ministry. Maybe it's to lead a ministry. Maybe it's a discipleship goal that God has been impressing on you that sounds crazy to you, but could it be that it's a BHAG that you need to set? Just like corporate BHAGs, as we work towards our BHAGs, the objective is great. I mean, it's great to arrive and we love crossing finish lines, but it's who we become in the process that's most important. So I want you to consider this morning, is there a BHAG in your life that you need to set? And then for the rest of our time, I want to turn our attention to what are some things that keep us from achieving our goals? So we set some goals, we set, some B, we set a BHAG. What are some things that can keep us from achieving those goals? And I, honestly, we could spend three weeks on this. There's lots of things that can derail us when we set out to achieve goals. I'm just going to handle a few that I think are really important. One is we pursue too many. Uh, you know, in, in other words, if you try to focus on everything, it's like focusing on nothing. Yes, there's lots of things we need to do and we need to improve on, but ultimately, uh, it's hard to focus on, a, on everything. And so you have to think of it like, you know, a magnifying glass on a sunny day. If you keep that thing moving around, nothing. But if you focus it just right, you can start a fire. If you want to move in, in the area of goal setting, you can't pursue too many Seven to 10 is kind of the number we, 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 uh, I, I hear most often. I think Jesus modeled this perfectly and the singleness of purpose he had when he came to earth. Second thing that can keep us from achieving our goals is fear. Fear of failure, fear of other people, fear of success. Some of you know my son, Tavita, just got named the offensive coordinator at Stanford. That takes care of my football analogy, by the way. <laughs> you know, I, I often say, careful what you wish for, right? Because, you know, if Stanford's offense flounders this year, guess who gets the blame? Tavita. And so oftentimes we 
don't set goals, we don't achieve goals because, oh my goodness, I don't want that position, then everyone's going to be looking at me for the answers. Sometimes we're afraid of success. Sometimes we're afraid of failing. What if I set a goal and it doesn't work? What if you set a goal and it does work? Sometimes we're afraid of what other people are going to say. You know, if they even hear that I've set that goal, it'll be like, huh, you? You've got to be kidding me. So we can let fear keep us from accomplishing what God has laid on our hearts to accomplish. That's why we use Matthew 17, 20, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Another reason that we sometimes can't achieve our goals is we overestimate. We think we can do way more than we can do in a short time. I've heard it said, we overestimate what we can do in a month and we underestimate what we can do in a year. I am clearly not a marathon runner, no comment. But I'm gonna give some, mar some marathon advice to you today. If you are not a runner and you've set a goal this year to run a marathon, here's my advice. Don't go out tomorrow and try to run 26 miles. Because if you make it, you'll probably die but you probably won't make it. And if you do, you'll be so sore, you'll never run again. But too often, that's what we do in goal setting. We set a goal and, you know, we haven't done anything about this, whatever it is that we're setting goals. And, you know, I've never read my Bible. So I'm going to read, you know, I'm going to read the Old Testament in January and the New Testament in February. We overestimate what we can do. I love this picture that the Bible gives us in Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. You know, when we look to God and we look to God's word for direction and for help, we often are expecting him to shine a spotlight out five years, 10 years. And I love this because the picture here is he gives you a lamp so that you can see the next step. But the good news is once you take that next step, guess what? I can see the next step. And then I can see the next step. So don't overestimate what you can do in a month, but don't underestimate what you can do in a year. Another thing that can keep us from achieving our goals is procrastination, excuses, and lack of discipline. You knew I was going to get there, right? I don't know. How, how many of you have seen the new Star Wars? Anyone? Okay. A few of you. All right. I, for those that haven't, I'm not going to blow any, I'm not going to ruin any uh, uh, of the plot line, but I need to do a Star Wars reference before Tome gets to. So in the, in the newest movie, there's a scene between uh, Luke Skywalker and Yoda. And, and uh, in that scene, you, you know, they're talking about the, the ancient Jedi texts. And uh, at some point, Yoda kind of brushes them off and says, you know, refers to them as like the books. To which Luke, he's like, they're the ancient Jedi text. And then Yoda says, oh, read them you have. To which Luke replies, oh, well, uh, yeah. And see, I feel like that sometimes when I think of God's word. The inspired holy word of God. To which Yoda would say, oh, read it you have. Right, often we set the goal, we're going to read the Bible through in a year. And 
because Pastor Jim suggested that. And, you know, we do good on the first, the second, the third, the fourth. We get it in just before midnight. The fifth we miss, so we catch up on the sixth. And by the seventh, it's over. There's no magic formula for procrastination, excuses, and lack of discipline. And hear me, please. I'm talking to myself. I struggle with this area in my life. It's why you have to have people that will help help hold you accountable. It's why you have to have people that are willing to journey this with you. I will say it is important to read God's word. And Pastor Jim mentioned this last week. And we do have more of these down at the Faith at Home Center. So if you do want some of the chronological Bibles, you can stop at the Faith at Home Center and get those. But Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. No magic formula. You just have to decide to not let procrastination excuses and lack of discipline keep you from achieving what God has laid on your heart. Another reason we don't accomplish our goals is we lose sight of who we are in Christ. Life beats us up sometimes. It gets hard. We lose a job. Our marriage is struggling. We have financial struggles. We have challenges with our kids. We have an argument with our neighbor. We have a fight with somebody at church. Life can be hard and it can be easy to find yourself forgetting who you are in Christ. God's word reminds us, Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. You are created in the image of God, never forget that. Or Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God knew you when you were in your mother's womb, never forget that. Or 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You and I, we are all a part of the body of Christ. Never forget that. 1 Peter 2, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You're a royal priesthood. Never forget that. But it's hard sometimes. When I was in college uh, playing football, I, our coach was a guy named Jim Walden. And uh, I remember one day we were at a team meeting. He was one of those good old boys from the South. He had all these little sayings. If you're from the South, you probably know all those sayings. But uh, he loved these little sayings. And one day we're in this team meeting and I don't remember what he was talking about or why he was trying to make this point, but he said, he said this, he said, um, when you're up to your neck in alligators, it's hard to remember that your original mission was to drain the swamp. And I was sitting next to a teammate who was an inner city kid from LA. And he looked at me like, what did he just say? (laughs) But it's true. Oftentimes when we're so up to our neck with everyday troubles and challenges. It's hard to remember who we are. It's hard to remember the mission that God has given to us. It's why we have small groups. It's why we're a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. If you're not in a small group, I urge you, get in one. This Christian journey was not meant to be taken alone. I'm going to mention one particular small group. It's not in your catalog. It will be next week. It's called Divorce Care, and it begins next week. 
Before I tell you all about it, I want to I want to emphasize at Lake City we stand for marriage. Okay, I can't tell you how many times Kelly and I have sat with couples and said, even if you can't stand for your marriage, we are going to stand for your marriage. We believe in marriage. That's why we have reengaged. We stand for marriage, but we also know that sometimes separation happens. We know that sometimes divorce happens. Here's something right out of Divorce Care's website. It says, Divorce Care is a friendly, caring group of people who will walk alongside you through one of life's most difficult experiences. Don't go through separation or divorce alone. Well, our friendly and caring people are Chuck and Lynn Pinio, and they are going to lead it next week, beginning next week, the 14th at 1230, and it will be at their house because, again, we are juggling so many things here. We can't find space for them here on campus. So 12.30, beginning next week, if, if that's you, don't go that journey alone. So remember, you are a child of the king. Never forget that. And then finally, the thing, another thing that keeps us from achieving our goals is unresolved sin. Take note, I didn't say sin. We all sin. It's unresolved sin. It's when we aren't, when, we, when our pride keeps us from dealing with that sin, whatever that means. It's when we aren't willing to admit the sin in our life and deal with what it is and what's going on and getting help. I want to show you a video uh, of, a, of a, an issue that uh, for men, oftentimes we struggle with in this area. And then I'll come back up. Hi, my name is Donnie Abair. Uh, my wife, Allison, and our two children, soon to be three, have been attending Lake City for a little over three years now. And I, I grew up in a Christian home and had Christian parents and eventually uh, went on to work in the mission field. And that's where I met my wife, Allison. Um, we served in Niger as missionaries off and on until 2013 when we came to Lake City. And today I wanted to share a little bit of my journey and how Conquerors became a part of that journey. If, if I came to you and said, hey, I struggle with anger or I struggle with alcohol, you probably wouldn't be too surprised or bat an eye. But if I came to you and said, hey, I struggle with pornography, it might take you by surprise or you might not be quite sure how to react. And because of that, I struggled with pornography off and on growing up for many years. And because as I Gain, you know, as I get the courage to finally tell some guys about my struggle, um, they really didn't know what to do with it. And as life went on and life moved on, I got to a point to where I was quite frankly okay with that part of my life being in the darkness and being hidden. 
I kind of learned to live with it. And as we know, <laughs> God's pretty clear in Luke where he says, the things that are hidden will be made known. And um, when, when it became known or when it was brought to light that I struggle with pornography, it was quite devastating. It was devastating to my family, my marriage, uh, many aspects of my life. And out of that, I'm thankful that God provided a place like Conqueror's, um, Conqueror's program during this time was essential in, in my journey. And having the Conqueror's program and going through it with a group of guys that I could share that journey with gave me hope and light that I desperately needed in my life. And I'm thankful to God that through Conquerors and through the relationship with guys, I was able to have victory in this area that I thought I wouldn't be able to ever gain victory in. If the statistics are anywhere near true, then some of you watching today may struggle with pornography or probably struggling with pornography. And if that's the case, then please reach out to someone and begin that journey into light and hope. Thank you so much for uh, listening and letting me share my story and my journey. And I look forward to talking to you more about it. So share that because there is a Conquer group that's starting Tuesday uh, at 7 o'clock in Portable A. And uh, you don't need to have anything ahead of time. Just show up. Uh, it's five videos. They're really well done. Uh, very easy to watch. Great information. So... Um, Man, I would encourage you to come. And yeah, I should say, I, I know that uh, some of that's changing a little, that there are women that are struggling with this as well. And I know that, that at some point we want to uh, supply some uh, help for spouses. But right now, this is sort of where we're able to uh, step in. And so, man, I want to encourage you to come out to the Conquer Series beginning Tuesday at 7 o'clock. So real quick, some next steps. Number one, um, Set some smarter goals. <clears throat> I would encourage you seven to ten goals. Use that smarter framework. Some of you are really good at writing goals, but if you're not, then, you know, use the smarter goals and, uh, you know, come up with seven to ten goals. If you have kids, by the way, they're working on goals as well. Uh, they're talking about spiritual mind and body goals. Uh, and so, again, you can help them frame those goals better by using that, you know, have a conversation about it at the dinner table or uh, on a drive. They also have a fourth one called a dream goal, which is like our BHAG. Number two, pray to see if God has a BHAG for you. Is there something that God wants you to really stretch, uh, stretch for? And then number three, honestly consider what might be keeping you from accomplishing what God is wanting to accomplish through your life. Is it fear? Is it lack of discipline? Are you having a hard time remembering who you are in Christ? Is there some unresolved sin? Then just commit to doing whatever it takes. Get help, mentor, divorce care, re-engage. Get professional help if you need to. Whatever it takes, uh, don't let those things keep you from accomplishing your goals.
Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you uh, that you created us in your image. Uh, Lord, thank you that uh, uh, you put talents and skills in each one of us. And thank you that you also put hopes and dreams and aspirations in each of us. And I just pray, God, that uh, for everyone here, that we would hear your voice clearly, that we would know those places, those things that you want us to uh, strive for, to achieve. We pray, Lord, against all these things that can keep us from accomplishing them. Pray against the enemy who does not want any of this to happen. And I pray, Lord, just your strength and your, uh, your truth to be uh, throughout each one of us as we uh, endeavor to reach the goals that you've laid on our heart. So thank you, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.